Acts chapter 16, you can turn there. Um, Whatever it takes is going to be the title of the message today. And we're not going to cover really a huge chunk really of the chapter. It's only going to be really about five verses. But I think that there's a lot packed into those five verses and it's pretty interesting. Um, But I wanted to start off with just talking a little bit um, about just what I have noticed, just to kind of build up and talk about uh, this topic. As I've shared before, I've had a chance to uh, coach and be involved in athletics. And I like that because I think a lot of times sports and athletics really parallels and mirrors life in a lot of different ways, but uh, it's on a small scale, right? It's just during the competition or during that season, and you just see a lot of different things in life. You see hard work, you see determination, you see discipline, uh, you can see fighting, you can see conflict. Uh, you see a whole range of emotions throughout that competition, throughout this season, and usually it stretches and uh, you get to see a lot about people and what they're really made out of. And that's why I kind of like uh, sports. And I've been fortunate enough in my young age to coach a lot of different um, varying ages as far as basketball goes, from middle school all the way up to high school, from town leagues to AU teams uh, to high school teams. And at least I would say probably within the past few years, one thing that I've seen come up just uh, more than I've noticed kind of earlier on, and just uh, more than even when I was growing up, was uh, this issue of just wanting to quit the team really either in the middle of the season or kind of towards the end, or you just get fed up with it and you just want to quit. And I've seen just more athletes just actually quitting now, just have been done with it. And usually it's because of uh, a big issue, which is playing time. I mean, playing time is a big thing. If you're an athlete and you're serious about it and uh, you know, you've tried out, you've made the team, uh, playing time is a big topic because if you're competitive and you're putting all that work into it, you want to you know, participate and play. And it becomes very difficult if that doesn't happen. And so there are the other situations, of course, where you have a coach, uh, who is just maybe not unfair, has some favorites, is a little biased, maybe doesn't recognize really your potential, doesn't recognize the efforts that you're really putting in, and that can be difficult. Um, but let's take a situation, maybe that doesn't have that. Maybe let's say it's a fair coach. Maybe it is an athlete that is also trying to do their best. They're working hard in practice, doing what it takes. And... Um, you know, come middle season, they're thinking, hey, I am just not playing too much. I'm putting all this effort in. I'm working my butt off. I, you know, I'm trying to do what the coach is asking me to do. I'm even trying to come with a pretty decent attitude. Uh, but, you know, I'm just not playing. I'm not seeing any time. And that can be really tough and a real struggle. And it's just, you know, it, it's tough mentally because now you're going to battle with that as well as working out your body physically when you're at the practice and in the game. It just becomes a really tough thing. Um, And so this issue of teamwork and unity and commitment starts to show its head. And now that becomes pretty difficult. Um, Commitment is really not a popular topic as far as, you know, at least in 2011 anyways. Um, We have... You know, as a society, when things get kind of tough or it gets really difficult, we tend to shy away and back away and take a break from something. We like to uh, be involved in something as long as it's convenient, piques our interest for a while, and things seem to go pretty smoothly. 
people tend to stay into it. Uh, but, but commitment becomes tough, like in sports, when you're even doing everything you're supposed to be doing and it really maybe doesn't even work out for you. And we certainly see it uh, in 2011 and at least the past five or six years in marriages. Uh, commitment, this idea of committing yourself at the altar with those vows in sickness and in death, uh, in sickness and in health till death do us part. Those are some strong words. And, you know, just about 50% of people get divorced now. And a lot of times, you know, number one reason is money. They just can't handle money together. And they don't respect each other's decisions. And if somebody goes down their own path, you know, it drives a huge wedge in there. Um, irreconcilable differences is another huge one that comes up a lot of times. And so this idea of the vows that you took and the commitment you actually made when things get really, really tough and really difficult, I don't know, in 2000 we tend to find ways around it with really creative words and intelligent justifications. And so this morning we're going to look at a guy where he was extremely committed and he even went a little bit further to where he took the extra steps and he really didn't have to. Um, he was pretty much good with where he was at and he was on the right path doing the things that he should have already been but he actually did more for the sake of somebody else and just that mindset uh, sometimes gets lost. So we're going to look at some of that today and so that's what we have whatever it takes on there. And what I'll do is I'll tell you um, I guess later on why there's a picture of a roof there with a hole in it. You know, because what is that all about? How does that fit into this thing? So Acts chapter 16, if you've got your Bible, so if you had a chance to open up to that by now. And before we start 16, we left off, right, where Paul and Barnabas had just got back from their first missionary trip. They already went around to all these different churches, and they encountered people. They encountered kind of an interesting situation when they get there. Uh, they had some people that argued with them that would follow what they were saying and it turned out to be kind of a positive thing and then once they stayed a little bit longer past that time these other guys remember we talked about would come in behind them they call them the Judaizers they come in behind them and they would really pervert their message and eventually they'd just get everybody so riled up that uh, they'd have to leave and they were threatened to get stoned one time they had to sneak out another time and then eventually their last time they actually did get stoned um, but Paul uh, comes back and goes back in the city and just doesn't stop. He's just kind of relentless. And so that's what's been happening really up until this point. And Acts 15 was a big chapter. Uh, you might want to listen to that one later on. But their big issue was, what does it take really to get saved? What are the important, essential, critical elements as far as someone to get saved, to go to heaven, have eternal life? What is it? And so as a church body, the church elders, the apostles, Peter, James, all these guys were like, yeah, what does it take? And they were struggling with some things. And so that's what we looked at in chapter 15. And we're going to pick up in 16. So now Paul wants to go back out again to some of the same areas he went out to before. And he wants to go check out a bunch of other areas and tell them all about the good news and about Jesus Christ. So pick up in Acts 16, uh, verse 1. So it says, He came to Derbe and then to Lystra. Right? These should be familiar places. Where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him. 
because of the Jews who live in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in the numbers. So it doesn't, maybe in the first five verses, it doesn't seem like really there's too much there. Uh, but there's maybe more there than what you might think. So if we go to the next slide, basically this has put us in place like where we're at. We've seen this map before. And so in the green area, right, it says Galatia up over there. And those towns of Lystra and Derby, they're right there, right? They're kind of, they're at the bottom over there. So that's where they are. They spent a lot of time already there before. So the book of Galatians, right, it's from that area. They're in that area. They're uh, at a bunch of different churches talking to a lot of different people. And Paul liked that area, so he goes back over there. And what does he do? He meets a disciple named Timothy. Young man, young guy, who was really into, you know, what they were saying. And he was really built up, not so much on his own accord. He wasn't really talking himself up. Uh, but he was more, he had a reputation of everybody else there that, hey, this is a reliable guy. Uh, he's a good guy. And he might be someone you might want to consider, you know, taking with you on your next trips and going around and trying to build up the church. So... An interesting thing about him was that his mother was a Jewess and a believer, but his dad was a Greek. And so it's interesting, right? We just had Mother's Day, and uh, you know, mothers can play some, play some pretty powerful roles. From what we know about Timothy, um, we'll find out later on that Paul just really, kind of really takes him on as his son. As his own son. And a lot of different people feel like you know, he almost treated him like the son kind of he never had. And he just had a real deep love and an affection for him. And but the roots that really started in Timothy started with his mom. You know, she was a committed Christian mother. And as we read through, and you never really hear anything about his dad. Um, and it's interesting. And you might even wonder, why would they even really get married in that day and age? It would be weird for a Jewish you know, woman to kind of hook up with a Greek Gentile guy. I mean, that wasn't really... Uh, a popular thing to do that's kind of frowned upon but nonetheless they did and uh, it didn't seem like he had a real prominent place in his life and so I think on the next slide here um, Paul writes and talks about when he's writing to Timothy uh, and appreciating him the role that his mother played and his grandmother played in his life he says I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. And so Paul's writing this to Timothy in one of the letters he wrote to him, because Timothy would eventually become like a huge player in the development of the church. And while Timothy is off actually kind of running a church and a couple of churches, you know, Paul's writing him, just saying how much he remembers him and uh, how he's praying for him. And then he says, recalling your tears, I, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your father Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. Right? And so all those strong essential roots that Timothy had started with grandma, developed again in mom. And that's how he was really built up. Dad just really wasn't a huge part. And, uh, you know, if there's ever a generation that can relate to maybe a dad not playing a huge role, even uh, not being there physically, but not even being really a big mentor as far as spiritually and emotionally and like that, you know, we can relate to that. Timothy was that kind of guy who grew up in that kind of household and he turned out okay. He turned out okay. Um, 
On the next slide here, we're going to get to that one in a minute. So in verse 3, it says, Paul wanted to take him on the journey, right? So basically, he got a chance to know him, they developed their relationship, and they said, hey, you know what, this is a guy that we could really take on this journey with us. I think it would be a good fit, and I think he would do well. And says, you want to take him on the journey? So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, this is interesting, man. You could just read over that and just be like, oh, you know, okay. But this is really, like, this is a big deal. I mean, this is a big decision. If you put yourself into Timothy's shoes, you know, I, I don't know. This is a pretty big decision. I mean, he wants to take him. Paul's like, yeah, I think you should come. It'd be a good thing. You know, uh, it seems like your faith is where it should be, and this will really help grow it. And this is the thing that God is doing right now, so hop on board. But, uh,. I think it'd be a good idea, you know, if he got circumcised. And it would really help as far as reaching these other Jews that are going to be there. That's kind of a big deal. I mean, if you're there and you're on the other end of that conversation hearing that, you're like, ah, well, I don't know. You know, because basically he's saying, you know, it's going to be a big thing. Circumcision, right, was given to Abraham. That was a covenant of people uh, to... to be a part of really God's chosen people. And if you weren't Hebrew or Jewish, God gave him this covenant. And he said, hey, if you want to be part of my people, you know, you can get circumcised. And, you know, most people would do it uh, when the child was younger. They wouldn't remember it. Can't really feel it. It's kind of a painful experience. Not really something thrilling you'd really want to go through. And then as you're older, you know, it's going to take some time to recover from. Like, that's just not an easy thing to do. And so Paul's like, you know, you should do this. It'll mean a lot to these guys. And Timothy didn't have to. As far as his justification before God, even though he wasn't purely Hebrew or Jewish, that didn't matter at this point, right? We've read enough of Acts to where we know that that is just, that's not the most important thing. The thing that really matters is faith. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, God is who he says he is, that's what really matters. That's what it comes down to. And so circumcision or not circumcised, it doesn't really matter a whole lot. But this was new information that there's people that they're going to go talk to. They, they didn't really understand. They didn't know about. And so if some young guy comes in there, they want to say, hey, you know, do you really understand this? Do you really know what we're about? And if you were to come out and say, well, yeah, I actually do, and I just got circumcised last week, they have to, now he might have their attention. You know, he might have their attention because their main goal was this. This is the way that Paul looked at the whole scenario. He says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Right? He doesn't have to, but that's why he's doing it. Well, why would he do that? To win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel. And so Timothy is hooking up with a guy with this kind of mindset. He's just like, I would do whatever it takes, wherever it is, consider it done. I'm a make it happen kind of guy. So write the title of the message, whatever it takes. He's a whatever it takes kind of guy. Doesn't matter what it is. He's not in this thing for his own glory. And so it makes me think of a scene from a movie I was talking, uh, you know, with, with these guys with theirs. I had a chance to see these guys over here yesterday. And we were talking about seeing for a movie, seeing Rudy. I don't know if you've seen the movie Rudy. But a great movie uh, about a guy who, you know, works hard. He, basically, he's 
wants to make uh, the Notre Dame football team but a dream his whole life. And uh, he's really, the, the phrase in the movie is he's five foot nothing, a hundred nothing, not super talented, you know, but he, could, he will work. He will work. And he had a little bit of talent, just a little bit, and he just maximized that to its full potential. And so basically, one day at practice, um, and up until this point, he's never dressed for a game. He's just really like a practice player. And uh, in this particular practice, they're getting ready for a game, for a, a game that, that week coming up. And uh, he's on the line, believe it or not, five foot nothing, a hundred nothing. Usually you want the big guys on the line. This guy's on the line, kind of a smaller guy. And uh, he's pretending he's the team they're going to play next week. And so they're working on a play. And they call a hike and... Uh, the guy who's going to start for Notre Dame, you know, comes at Rudy, but doesn't really block him or hit him real hard and kind of goes around him and they run through their play. And so then Rudy runs and jumps in the guy's face. He says, listen, I'm trying to make you better and get you ready for next week. You hit me next time. And so they run through the play again and the guy just runs Rudy over, you know, just steps on him and just plows him through. So then later on after the practice, uh, the guy catches up to Rudy. He's like, listen, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, for kind of getting out of control like that practice. And uh, Rudy goes, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. I'm trying to get you ready and make you better for next week. And like when he says something like that, like that is a guy who has this similar kind of mindset mentality to where whatever it takes, like I'm not e I might not even dress, I might not even start, nothing's guaranteed for that guy, but he's willing to do whatever it is to try and make his team better. Like he's someone who actually really understood this term of commitment and what it really meant because he wasn't really going to benefit really anything. And the whole big part of Rudy's story is that finally, at like the last game of his senior year, uh, he actually got a chance to dress for it. And he actually just got in for, I think it was two snaps. That was it. That was his whole college career. It came down to two snaps and that was it. You know, so... But he was a guy who along the way learned a lot of valuable things about commitment uh, and hard work and doing whatever it takes. And so uh, you got to imagine that Paul is a guy just like that. Man, I'm going to do whatever it takes for the sake of the gospel. For whatever it takes to spread Jesus Christ, that's what I'm willing to do. I'm the guy for that. And he just, he sets the bar high pretty quick. And he's like, Timothy, you know, this is the way it's going to go. And Timothy, he's right into it. And I wonder what that conversation like. I wonder if like he hesitated. I wonder if he's like, well, let me think about it. You know, let me pray about it. Let me talk to my mom. Let me see what my grandmother thinks about it. Like, I wonder if, you know, he did all that stuff. Um, but I don't know. I, I just tend to think that he just went for it. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. So, we get, let's get back to the story here. So, so, he did get circumcised because of the Jews for their sake. Um, so, it only will not give him credibility for the fact that he did it. But also give him credibility because they know that his dad was a Greek. And then right after that, right, it says they traveled from town to town. They delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders. And what was this decision? It says they delivered this decision that was reached by the apostles, the elders. Right, well in Acts 15, right, we talked about before that the big issue was what does it take to get saved? What does it take for me to get to heaven? What does it take for me to get eternal life? And that was the issue that they struggled with. They the early church struggled with that question. seems like kind of a basic one. Um, but they were really trying to iron this one out. Because, believe it or not, this same question got posed to them. Where some own people from in, within their own group 
They came to them and they said, listen, people have to get circumcised first and then they can get saved. That faith through Christ is then available only after they get circumcised. And it kind of threw the church for a loop and they're like, well, I don't know. Then they had the conference together and everybody had to talk about it. And so what happened is out of them talking about it, they decided, you know what, no, that's not the way we're supposed to do it. Um, God came and blessed these Gentiles in a way similar to us with, remember the Spirit coming down on them and talking to them and performing signs and wonders. The Spirit did all that stuff and they never got circumcised. So we don't think to God it really matters. But what does matter is, you know, you be sexually pure, you stay away from, um, you know, idolatry and uh, maybe food that was sacrificed to them. And so what they did is they wrote this short letter kind of just describing that and they bring that to these churches. And so that's the message that they were bringing from town to town. And then the fruit of their labor says, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in their numbers. And so uh, one thing I was thinking about as we were going through this is uh, one question that kind of jumped out to me. Well, a few questions did, but they all kind of hovered around this main thing. Is, uh, do we have our next slide there, Josh? But why is the whatever-it-takes attitude, you know, such a rare one? That's right, like in 2011, like, it is kind of difficult. We don't really see it mirrored as far as marriages and relationships and... Uh, you know, even little guys growing up and I'm teaching high school kids, it's, they're into something until it becomes tough. Once it becomes tough, like, they're pretty much out of it. You know, and, or if they're still in it, they've got a horrible attitude. They're trying to do, like, the least possible, you know, effort they can to kind of get through something. And so, you know, what does it do with that? How come? So a couple of things I was thinking about uh, as far as to answer that was this first one here, which we got on the next slide, was that... Our society has become more and more committed to things in life solely because of convenience, praise, or a possible benefit. Huh, I mean, that's just something that I've noticed. Um, just kids filing in and out of those seats and in the classrooms and stuff, they're really gung-ho about things if they know that, you know, I'm going to say something about something that they did and praise them for it. They're certainly ready to do something. Um, or if they know they're going to benefit in some way and get a grade or extra credit out of it, you know, they're all over it. But as far as uh, just being committed to something, to their team, to their schoolwork, or whatever it is, um, that's just not something that's just really within them. And they don't really don't care too much about it, really. And uh, their parents don't really care whole much, really, too much about it either, which is kind of surprising. They'd rather just see the good grade on there, but they could really care less about how they got it and how much they know. You know, I don't know. It's kind of scary. So that absolutely translates to the kids. And I was thinking one other, uh, you know, reason why it's so rare to have the doing whatever it takes attitude, just this focused, disciplined type person, is I think a lot of people lost a sense of pride associated with, you know, our word being our bond. Um, if I say I'm going to return something to somebody by a certain time, you know, am I really going to do it? If I say I'm going to pick up something by a certain time, you know, am I going to do it? Uh, if I promise to help somebody out to do something, you know, am I going to do it? It doesn't seem like that stuff really matters a whole lot, really, anymore. So if that really doesn't matter that much, as far as what I say, and if I deliver, 
Like, how committed am I really going to be? Well, I'll be as committed as to when it works out for my schedule. And then, you know, then I'll let you know if that'll work. Well, what kind of commitment is that? It's just, you know, when I'm free and when I'm available and it's convenient for me. So, I don't know. What do we do with some of this stuff? So, on the next slide here, right, what are some ways that I could improve some of the commitments that I've made in my own life. And so as I read that, you know, I see flashes of the other things already in my own life that just I'm ashamed of and I don't like. And I can see it wanting to creep in. You know, I want to creep in where, you know, comfort is really the number one priority. And um, sticking to my word, eh, doesn't seem to matter a whole lot to anybody else. Maybe it shouldn't really matter that much to me. So how can I do a better job, you know, in my own life today? And so the first thing I was thinking of, the next one here, is I think it's essential, at least right away, make it a point and a priority to follow through with my current commitments the best that I can with the best attitude that I can. Right? I mean, that's got to be first and foremost. Even if I got myself into something maybe that I shouldn't have, let's just get this thing done to completion here first. Right? Whatever it is. Um, and let's make it a top priority. Meaning, I would actually have to say no to some other things like I would rather do than the stuff I really already committed to. Um, if that's possible. And to have the best attitude I can while I'm doing it and trying to get it done. Uh, that's always the difficult part. right? So you, you might hold up your end of the bargain and be committed, but if you have a whole you know, bad attitude in the process and it's just everybody can tell, um, it's going to make it not real fun for you and not real fun for the other people, that's for sure. So uh, that was one thing I was thinking about, is that just finishing out just currently what i got to do, you know, right now very committed to it. And even if it wasn't smart when I committed in the first place, and that's a big thing you hear in the marriage stuff too. Well, we didn't get a chance to know each other really in the beginning. Um, we kind of rushed into it. We didn't do things, you know, really the right way. And now that's kind of a justification for us, you know, for the reasons we are, why we're at now, and why we're not going to, you know, do well and really move forward. But it's just not good enough. It's just, that's not the way you do it. Another thing I was thinking about was that to help with the attitude, because that's really huge. I mean, if you have really a rough time and a bad attitude going in, into it and dealing with it, um, you're going to make it a struggle and you're probably not going to last very long if the attitude's really bad. But making your feelings subordinate to, and I don't even know if really that's the best word, but make your feelings subordinate to your commitments that you have made. Because what's going to happen, I mean, you could picture your own self if you put yourself in uh, that basketball practice or in that situation where you are just working your butt off. And let's just say, you know, the coach is kind of fair and you've, you know, been doing what you're supposed to do. Um, you're struggling, struggling in your head and within yourself. Man, I'm working so hard. I'm doing the best that I can. I'm doing everything he asked and it's just not getting rewarded. And, and you have to come with that every day to practice, to your weightlifting, to you know, executing your plays and going through things. And you know, that bad attitude and that stuff getting into your head, that's eventually going to come out you know, into your emotions. How are you going to do things? All of a sudden you're not like, you know, making your cuts as hard as you should. You're not paying really attention to the detail that you should. And so uh, it affects your performance. 
But if you can, if it's possible, or try and get into the habit of, well, this is the team right here, and I just have to trust my coach and not, you know, think that he knows best, and the season's not going to last forever. And how can I just make my other teammates better for right now? I mean, that's a crazy foreign attitude. I mean, to try and tell somebody who's really in the middle of that, hey, well, how can you make everybody else better around you right now? That, that's really tough stuff. And so to deal with those feelings in a way that's healthy will really help things out. And this last one here, right? Doing your best. And then we think about other commitments that will come up. If you could do your best to really evaluate and think your way through your next possible commitment. Like really analyze it and take a look at it from all possible angles. Like how much time, you know, what do I have to invest in this? What is it actually going to require of me? Um, what kind of people are involved? What situations might I be in? Just really looking ahead so you know exactly what you're getting yourself into. And I wonder if Timothy really sat back and evaluated it. Or maybe he was just like a young gun that was just like, hey, let's just go. Not necessarily anything wrong with that. But even if you were able to, I don't know if he did or did not, but if you were able to sit back and be like, okay, like I think I even will get circumcised, then um, what would that actually mean? And how would that actually help these other Jewish people that I'm going to talk to? How could that help my own faith? If he could actually step back and evaluate and look at it, it's going to give a huge amount of depth and understanding and maturity to the decision that he's going to make. And that, that's huge. That carries a lot of weight with that. But maybe he was just a young guy and just went for it, but maybe he wasn't. I don't know. But being able to understand what's really going out, asking lots of questions and probing as much as you possibly can, that's really the important thing. And in Proverbs, right, it's a trap for a man to, ded to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider his vows. Right, that's tough stuff. Just to say you'll do something right away and if you believe that your word is important, you just put yourself out there and, uh, you know, consider after the fact what you just did. It's, it's a tough pill to swallow and then you might have to go back to those, you know, people and if you've been in that situation, you know that's certainly not any fun uh, to go back and, and maybe talk about it later together when maybe it's something that should have been done in the beginning. But what we'll do is we'll close with this one thought here. Because I think if we read all of this and go through all of this and miss this one essential question, that would really be missing the point. It says, could a whatever it takes attitude, could that be descriptive of your relationship with Christ? Could that be a word that you would use of your own relationship with Christ? Would that be a word or a phrase that other people would use of you and Christ? I mean, because that was really why Paul is doing this. That's why Timothy is doing this. It's for the sake of the Gospel. Right? For the sake of Jesus Christ. And so when he asks us to maybe step out and do something that's uncomfortable or that we know we're not going to like, or that's difficult, or maybe doesn't play to our strengths really that well, are we still going to have that whatever it takes, I'm just going to get it done, doesn't matter, I'm in it and I'm committed. You know, could that be something that describes us? And maybe for some people, yeah, maybe sometimes, depending on the situation. Um, depending on how much sleep I got that night, right? Uh, depending on how much stress I had that day. I don't know, but the idea is to get it for the most part 
I think, yeah, for the most part, usually that summarizes me. But if it doesn't, right, the key is to figure out, you know, what do we have to do to get to that point? Well, what has to change to get to that point, or at least has to be in the process, has to be, you know, what is this commitment with Christ all about? How serious do I really take it? How much does it really matter? Right, the value of the commitment. You know, we have to go back and really just evaluate that thing. Um, and see how important that really is. So before we close in prayer, uh, so the hole in the roof, you know, what's the deal with that? How come that was on the title slide? Well, there was another group of people in Jesus' day who had the same type of whatever it takes, let's get it done attitude. And it was a bunch of friends. They had a paralyzed friend. And uh, they heard Jesus was at this house. And they said, hey, man, we, let's get in there and let's try and get our, get our boy healed. Like, let's do whatever it takes. Let's put him before Jesus and hopefully something will happen. And so they get to this house and they see, we just can't even get in there. It's just, it's packed. You know, there's, there's no way we can get in. Uh, and their friend's paralyzed, we said, so he's on a mat. And so it's just no way. So what they do is they climb up on the roof. They cut a hole in the roof. I don't know how the homeowner felt about that one. Um, but they cut a hole in the roof. They lower their friend down. And Jesus is just amazed. So you got to picture him probably being there and talking to people and praying and healing people. And it's probably a whole big commotion with a big scene. And this guy gets like lowered down in front of him on a big mat. And he's probably like, whoa, you know, what's going on here? And they explain to him the situation. And Jesus is like, wow. I haven't seen faith like this, man, anywhere. Absolutely goes, you know what? Your sins are forgiven and you're healed. You know, and he gave him the double whammy and then everyone's like, oh my goodness, you know, wow. But these friends, we don't know who they are. We don't know their names. Uh, we don't even really know if really Jesus did really anything for them. But the friends, they had whatever it took attitude for their friend. Man, they were willing to help out and get some get some healing, get some help for their friends. So, in five verses, just seeing the type of guys that we have involved with Paul and Timothy, and the way they're approaching this whole Christianity thing, they are not leaving much of themselves outside of this. They're all into this, and they are completely, completely committed. And some of those factors certainly help us out in the day-to-day living. Uh, but hopefully, as we read through something like that, it's got to at least bring to our attention as far as, you know, whatever it takes. Could somebody actually say that about me? Would I actually say that I'm even anywhere even close to that? And if I'm not, well, the first step, the, always the best step is just to start and ask God first. God, I don't really have the attitude, and I don't even really, I don't know how much I even care about that. But I think it's important. And those are the types of people that you really work through and that you really use, and that you really reveal yourself through. So... That's the first step, is just asking with him and talking with him about it. So let's stand and close in prayer. So God, we just, um, we would certainly ask um, for a better understanding, God, of, uh, of how much you love us. Because really, that's got to be the fuel that drives us, Lord. Um, because we can really try and have behavior change and try and muster things up the best that we could in our own strength. Uh, but those are just going to last for a short period of time and then they're going to kind of die off. 
and then we'll pick it up again, and then it'll die off, and then we'll pick it up again, and then we'll die off. And I'm sure in one way or another we're all familiar with uh, things that we've tried that you know, have gone in unfortunate cycles. Um, but something, a commitment like this, Lord, will really be driven the more we understand how much you love us. And just the depth of that, the, the breadth of that, Lord. How much you care about us and uh, how you want to see us succeed. And in light of that, we're going to be extremely committed to you, Lord. And uh, we'll want to share that with everyone, Father. And so we pray in our relationship with you, help us to continue to develop whatever it takes attitude, being truly committed to you. Um, we pray that you help us best. Give us strength, God. And just in our daily lives, as far as just keeping our word, and being reliable, responsible people, Lord, in society, Lord, uh, help us uh, to also do that as well. Because it would be great where a lot of the most responsible uh, people in, in life are Christians, Lord. That would be nice, God. That's just not always the case. So help us with those things, Lord, at work and within our families, Lord. So God, we thank you for this morning. And Lord, uh, in this wet week that we have coming up, Lord. Uh, we pray that uh, you bless it, God. And uh, just bless the time that we spend with you. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen.